monopsony, how much should we worry about that? And what can we do, like you said, how do we define markets when you're thinking about, even labor markets, very tricky to define uh, which firms are competing. Uh, if you are uh, AI specialist, there are a thousand guys competing for you. I mean, thousand different firms in thousand different sectors. Yeah. So defining whether markets, people have market power is, is a hard question. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. I'm your host, Jerry Davis, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. Creating a business today requires a radically different set of activities than it did even 10 years ago. Today, my guest is Jagadish Sivadasan, Professor of Business Economics at Michigan Ross, speaking on the effects of remote work and monopsony in the labor market. If I were starting a business from scratch, what are things that I should be thinking about um, from your understanding of labor markets, the employment relation? Obviously, this is a new uh, thing, but the big shift is remote work. And I will talk about what I think is interesting from my sort of research and my interest perspective. uh, And it has implications for for what uh, business wants to do, right? So for me, obviously, this is a sudden change. It's an amazing technology improving very fast. Some commentators are saying this is on the level of the computer or the railroad or something super profound. People didn't realize it was so powerful. So what is surprising, I mean, so the initial work, it's still very initial. And I want to say short run results on this in this field, I feel might not turn out in the long run to be correct. But the short run result, the surprise is workers feel they're more productive, much more productive than they would have thought if they were working remote. Like if you ask them before the pandemic that if let's go remote and everybody's going to go remote, how well will work happen? It has been, I think, spectacular surprise, positive surprise, right? And the second thing is uh, you ask them, do you value this? Do you like this flexibility and autonomy? It's just off the charts. I think everyone says we like this. We are able to spend time with family. We have flexibility and so on. And the third thing is, of course, there was always been a kind of bad rep or or a negative stigma associated with working from home. You don't have visibility with your boss. We don't know exactly what you're doing. And, And... questions in surveys asking people, do you think the stigma has gone down? It has gone down significant. Okay, so these three things taken together, I'm persuaded, and there's a point Nick Bloom makes in his paper, which uses a broad survey, that this is not going away soon. So this is going to be around for some time. And and for me, uh, the things I have thought about in this context is what is the implications for inequality? And it's very tricky. I mean, initial work that looked at what can be done remote, and you can, I guess now you can, we can do better work by asking people who are working remote and so forth, suggests it's knowledge work that's going remote. So if I am obviously a waitress or a, or a person working in a meat packing factory or something, this is not something that helps me at all. Uh, so knowledge workers are able to go. So what are the implications for wages? It's, it's tricky, I think. So the immediate reaction is, Oh, so a knowledge worker has now in much more demand. He can work or she can work for anyone, anywhere. But at the same time, the hiring company can also go to different markets. They can go to anyone, anywhere. So there's both supply and demand implications. The wage effect is a little tricky to me. Um, what I am reading and finding, and this is again initial, is what happening in New York. New York's re- recovering slowly. And Krugman talked about this. Morty and others have talked about it as well. 
we know that the core workers in cities drive work for others. The multiplier would be five in some estimates or three. So every job in a core sector supports three or five. And, and that support comes from showing up at work and spending money in, in the cities. And that's probably going down, we can say. Why would I pay high rents if I can work uh, somewhere else in a nicer place? And then that's affecting the economy locally. If I'm a food truck owner in Manhattan, now this is going to be permanently lowered. So we will have a negative effect there. Uh, the positive effect for knowledge workers is a little unclear for the reason I said, there's also more supply. And interestingly, more supply worldwide. If we have figured out how to manage knowledge work, and we understand now that we can have effective and productive work remote, why should that person be sitting in your city? Why, why not in Bangalore? Why not in London? Why not in some other place, right? So my initial instinct is that within knowledge work, worldwide inequality might go down because now you're remote. I don't care whether you're here or 100 miles away. Uh, but across knowledge versus other workers, I think this is benefiting knowledge workers. Overall, it's a technology that somehow helps them. The first order effect in a model would be it's good for these guys in terms of just overall utility for these guys would go up. Wage might be tricky. You might be able to move to a low rent place and, and your wages might be a little bit lower, but your real wage or your utility, I think, will be higher. Um, I'm also wondering about long-term productivity effects. I mean, firms initially are figuring that productivity didn't go down, but longer term, are there benefits, are there innovation benefits from being near the water cooler, talking to others? At a city level, the research generally has been that cities have been super productive, GDP share of locations in the US in the last 20, 30 years, it's all in, I mean, sometimes it's colored in a, political lenses, blue places, but essentially urban places where people are hanging out together. And the, uh, that research fascinates me because I'm interested in productivity and, and, and it seems it's something in the air. So Marshall talked about his ideas are in the air. You be in places where others are and, and things kind of permeate. And so if we now push all the knowledge workers into dispersed locations, I wonder whether our productivity longer term will suffer as, as an economy level because of less diffusion. Also within the firm, uh, if people have to learn from each other and, and be close, being close is useful, right? So those are, I think, important kind of um, interesting, uh, uh, you know, implications. And, and, and there are already anecdotes about potential weaknesses in monitoring when you're away, people holding two jobs, people uh, manipulating things so that they can seem to be in Zoom meetings when they're actually not. Um, and, and that's being countered by new technologies to monitor. I don't know if you've seen these, but Microsoft will give you a report or Google will give you a report. They were in meetings this much time. They were on this site this much time, or they were using this tool this much time during the day. It's quite intrusive. You could even track exact screenshots every 10 seconds. <laughs> I mean, um, and I feel like it's intrusive and permanent in a way that monitoring is not uh, in actual work. And there are ethical concerns and also, uh, you know, things uh, you would think about what the longer term effects of that are. Right? So that's one. The last thing I want to talk about is, is, is uh, literature and economics and labor economics that I have followed closely is about the change in the shares of labor and capital in the economy. Uh, you may be, know this well, Jerry, but there has been this decline. So the 
surprising thing is in the late 90s, there was this paper that struck me, which was in the JPE, which said labor share everywhere in the world for the last 50 years has been 65%. And I said, that can't be right. And so in the late 90s, if you look at the data across, across OECD countries, even in other countries, actually, and you just look at the share of labor, it was pretty stable at 65. It was almost like, let's take that for granted. This is a deep parameter in the economy in any model you want to build. That'd but some that just, felt stuff. Yes, so that just that just changed dramatically in, in the 2000s. It, it went from 65 down to 55, just dropped 10% after 50 years of just being at 64, right? So this is profound. And obviously, there's a lot of work, labor economists, macro economists, everyone's trying to understand this and, and different things being suggested. Of course, trade, if you, this is the US that people are looking at the numbers mostly for richer countries. If you're moving work to poorer countries and labor then uh, has less uh, power, we'll see less labor share. Um, technology could be another factor. You might think it's a movement to machines and so on. And so there's a lot of different work trying to unpack this and it's interesting. Couple of things to note is that since the last 10 years, it's been flat and maybe slightly going back up. Uh, so maybe it's slowed down, whatever it was. One thing I have looked at is whether there is effects of monopsony power, which is whether some uh, loss like non-compete is what I looked at. And there is evidence that non-compete has held down wages and, and in, uh, decreased mobility. And many, many states are reforming this. So there's a change in that narrow slice of one thing that might be affecting this big macro trend. Um, a more recent work that I've read suggests that it's not a huge role for monopsony, maybe out of the 100% of the reduction, maybe 20% is due to monopsony. Uh, a McKinsey report that I saw recently suggests it's mainly driven by super cycles and commodity. One of the things that's driving it, commodity price are high. Uh, and when that happens, profit share is higher there, right? Trade has a role, monopsony has a role. A technology, the shift to intangible capital, which is related to technology shift in general, and also shift towards machines, I think I explained maybe a third of, of what's going on. But it is an interesting shift. Um, it's stabilized. Maybe uh, we live in a new world with a different amount of capital or different usage of capital related to labor. Uh, but this is interesting as well. There's less implications for maybe micro businesses, but something I'm very interested in. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jagadish. I really appreciate your insights you. and we'll, we'll share them soon. Yes, thank you. This has been the Impact Studio Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Gugala.